You may be seated. We're getting ready. David and Sheena are going to come up. And this is our last part of the session right now. It's called the aftermath of a fight. I would like to tell you, I want you to listen to me. I'd like to tell you that things are going to get easier for you. But I'm going to tell you something. You better make a knot and hold on to it. The Bible said at the end of the book of Revelation that we overcome the dragon. I'm telling you, we have an enemy. You believe your marriage has an enemy? We've just identified just a few things. But the Bible said we will overcome him. Everybody say, through the blood of the Lamb. That means you're going to need forgiveness. He said, no matter what the devil throws up about what you've done to each other or done to your marriage, there is forgiveness in the blood of the Lamb. The word of our testimony. How many of you have been through some hard times? Let me see your hands. Of course you have. Some of you are going through now, but you know what? You're together. And that's the word of our testimony. And we love not our lives to the death. I bless all of you online and those of you that are here right now. We're growing through. This is a grow through moment. No matter what happens to us, we're going to make it. Let's give the Lord a hand clap one more time. This is in the aftermath of a fight, and then we're going to come back together and worship and pray for one another. And I hope all of you online are watching and gleaning, and we're here for you. You'll be able to download the notes, the PowerPoint, and take it, teach it, redigest it, apply it to your lives. Lord bless you. David and Sheena bless us right now. So we're looking at the aftermath of a fight, and that's a really important stage in any relationship because... When you're talking about the aftermath of a fight, what you're actually talking about is growing after the pain. So it is a really important process of being able to, as a couple in your relationship, being able to have enough maturity to be able to look at an incident that occurred, a disagreement that occurred, and being able to, as a couple, come together and say, Let's talk about what happened. Why were we upset? Let's talk about the feelings involved in the situation. Let's talk about, you know, where we went wrong. What made things go, you know, escalate? What got out of hand? What can we do better? And basically dissecting the fight in a clinical way. Now, the key to the aftermath of a fight is most people don't do that because once you've gotten through a fight, most people are like, we're out of it. We don't want to go back to it. The problem is that is the lie of the enemy is to make you disconnect yourself from the painful event that happened and never revisit it. Because what you end up doing is if you simply get through your disagreement and you go, great, we're on the other side of it. I don't want to touch it. I don't want to go back to it. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to look at it. What ends up happening is it still is an unresolved issue. It still is something that can create pain later. It still is something that then you can step on another time. And what I sometimes call that, that particular process, I call it stamp saving. So it's like, I'm going to remember what you did to me on this particular occasion and put that in my book. And we're over it, but I saved it. So then another instant happens and we get past it, but we didn't resolve the first one. I remember the first one and I put the other one in my book. I, now I remember two. And so before long, what you have is emotionally a book of stamps that you have saved 
reminding you of all the things that your spouse has done that have caused you pain and grievance and you have inadvertently built a divide between yourself and your spouse over these unresolved issues that you never took the time to sort out because it was too painful to deal with each and every single one. But you've built them. And so when you're looking at how do we actually get through, how do we actually process the pain, how do we actually overcome, because disagreements are inevitable. They are a part of life. It's just simply what do you do when you have them and how do you get through them? What is the healing way? What is the Christ-centered way to do that? So that's when we're looking at the aftermath of a fight. So the first thing that we want to look at is your feelings. And so when you are talking about the aftermath of a fight, you are going through, and this is the key because you have to remember, you are talking about how you felt during the fight, not how you feel because you're not trying to restart the fight. Now, that's hard for somebody like me, I'll be honest. If I start remembering what it was that happened, I can get a mat on. I can, mm, like, like, I remember what you did to me and I remember what you said and now, now I'm, I'm getting enraged just thinking about it. <laughs> and before long, I'm mad again. I'm in the fight again because my feelings got real. I was hurt then and I'm hurt now. And just thinking about the way you looked at me, I can see it in my mind. Now, you're not looking at me now like that, but you could. I'm mad. I'm already mad. And that is when you're talking about your feelings. So you have to be careful because when you are talking about your feelings in the situation, you must separate yourself from the now, from the when, and be able to talk about how you felt without also going into why did you feel that way? Because that's not productive at the time. Because you see, what we don't want to do is get on that slide that has no bottom, okay? Because how it goes is, you know what? I felt angry. And you know why I felt angry? I'm gonna tell you, it was because of your face. The face that you made, that made me angry. And now see, I can see in your face, you're making that face again. And so I'm getting mad now, talking about your face that made me angry and the face that you're making now. And you didn't think you were making the face, but I can see it. You knew what you were doing. Now see, you're making another face. And now it's a face that's telling me that, I, that you knew when you made that face. And you see, now you are off the whole point. You're down the slide. You're down the slide and now you've created argument two that had nothing to do with argument one, but you are on that train. And that's how easy you can go down that slide if you are not being productive with sharing about your feelings. And so you have to make sure that you are going kind of step by step with your feelings, sharing how you felt, not why you felt that. And then the other thing is you want to avoid commenting on your partner's feelings. You don't know what he or she felt. In reality, you may think you know, but I tell people all the time, even in my profession, I will tell them, you cannot judge someone's motive, okay? I'm gonna say that again. You cannot judge someone's motive. Say, I can't do it. Say it again, I can't do it. Okay, because here's the thing, 
Motive is something that only who can tell you? Me. I am the only one who can tell you what my motive was for whatever it was that I did. Now here's what you can judge. You can judge actions. That's like when somebody goes and they rob a store. You don't know why they robbed the store. You just know they robbed it. They could have said, I robbed it because I was hungry and I was robbing so that I could feed my family. That's a motive. I'm not saying that the motive isn't an honorable motive, but the fact of the matter is they robbed the store. There are other methods to get food. The store was robbed. They could say I robbed the store because I wanted to. That's a motive, because I wanted to. But the reality is you can't judge someone's motive. They have to tell you what their motive is. Now there's times when you don't know what your motive was. I can tell you, sometimes I have come home and I've just been mad. I've had a funky day. And so I may say something <laughs> that is not very nice and it's not because my sweet spouse did anything to me. It's just because I'm funky. That's not a good motive, but it could be the truth. So you could try to say, but there has to be an honorable reason for this. Sometimes there just is no honor in stupidity. Okay? Sometimes it's just you're having a moment of crisis and you just say what you say and it's not right, but you said it. So you can't go through and try to say, I'm going to explain to my partner what it is that he or she is feeling, or this was what your part in this was. This is not a time to describe your partner. It's a time for you to talk about your feelings. And in your for handout, I do have for you a feelings list that you can look at. And this is to try to help you to start that conversation. Because sometimes I think where people get messed up is they don't know where to start. And so this is to be able to just kind of help you start that dialogue. You can say, I felt, again, because it's not I feel, I felt defensive, I felt angry, I felt unsafe, you know, I felt anxious. So there are some different words here that can help you to try to identify what it was that you were feeling during the time that you were upset. So that is sharing your feelings and making sure that you are kind of dealing with that portion of the aftermath of a fight. Next, you have to deal with the reality. And we know that there is reality, which is supposed to be real. It's fact-based, it's objective, but there is also subjective reality. And that is where I can view and interact in a situation and what I see, feel, felt, heard, is completely different than what may have been conveyed or what somebody was trying to convey. And that doesn't mean that the person's wrong, but we've all probably heard the phrase, perception's reality. And so if I think we can all look at the current climate that's around and we can show facts and we can, and now it seems like Nobody is able to find a middle ground and try to understand anybody. And that is trickling over into all sorts of relationships, including into the house. And so when you're dealing with realities, you have to first describe your reality. And it doesn't mean 
both of you have to go into it understanding I'm going to explain how I saw it, how I heard it, how I felt it. Again, this is where those I statements are really important because you can very easily take a small fight and turn it into a big fight just by saying you said instead of what I heard you say or I heard this. Just by changing those words can de-escalate a situation. And you want to first start by taking turns describing your reality of the situation. Again, this is the aftermath of a fight. So aftermath means you've had a fight, it's after it. So, and you're trying to add things up. And so this is not stuff that you're, you're gonna be able to do in the fight, nor would I suggest doing, especially as a man who's a fixer and is trying to fix something on the fly. Let the car tire be flat. Let's get over to the side of the road and then we can fix the tire and then we can talk about let's not try and fix the tire while the car's still moving on. That is a formula for failure. But you want to describe only what you saw, what you heard, felt, not what you think. You don't want to put a motive for how somebody was behaving on them. You want to avoid attacking or blaming them. And then you can also share your feeling about what you needed in that situation. You know, we talked earlier about reading between the lines. Somebody may be saying one thing, but they may mean something else, or there may be an underlying need that needs addressed. And so you, you want to approach your recounting of your reality in an objective way, though, going moment by moment and saying, I heard you say, I saw, this is what I understood, this is what I felt. Then you, you want to take turns doing that. Then you want to summarize and at least validate a part of your partner's reality. Uh, and a simple statement that you can use, I would recommend making it sincere and working hard to make sure that you can say this truthfully and honestly, but is I can understand how you may have perceived that or how it may have come across that way. There's plenty of times that I've said something and luckily we've avoided all fights. So because we've applied all of these rules, we've avoided all fights. And I'm not gonna go to hell. We have not avoided all fights. So that was my reality. I felt like we had avoided all fights. So thank you for understanding that and, and correcting. I can understand why you would have thought that we've avoided all fights I since that. we thank have you. such a positive, uplifting relationship. Thank you. I really love the, the sense of empathy that you showed there. Thank you in that situation. But you really do need to try and make that sincere. And while it can be difficult at times, especially when someone does come home and they don't even know why they're upset, it can be really difficult to be like, oh, yes, I get why you're completely crazy right now. I really do not suggest using that phrasing. But you can listen, and if you may not understand or it may not make sense, all of us, I think, have been at that point where 
we don't know why we're feeling away. You know, men, it may be, we may just be overly grouchy or agitated or short. We don't know why, but we just are. And we have to be willing to say, hey, I've been in those types of situations. I may not actually understand why you're crazy right now, but I can appreciate that I've been kind of crazy, so I do want to use the word crazy. Cause it... If you use the word crazy, you're going to bring out crazy. I'm, I'm just going to tell you that right now. <laughs> do not use the word crazy with your spouse unless you want crazy to come on out. You have not seen crazy until you call me crazy. <laughs> Putting that I would right also on recommend. There. I would also recommend... If your spouse says, I know I'm acting crazy right now. Don't agree. Don't validate don't that. Don't agree. Do not validate that. Just say, oh, no, you're not crazy. You're something else, you know? <laughs> it's, no, you're just, oh, I understand. You know, just keep using the word, oh, I understand. Oh, yes, yeah. Just use that. If you don't know what to do, that's your safe space. Go into, oh, yes, oh, yeah. Mm. Mm. You know, men can get away with grunts and mm, mm, a lot easier than women can. So, men, that's your tip of this conference. I try to give some tip. Tip is use your grunts and your mm, and your head nods to their fullest extent when you're trying to empathize and, and sympathize with your spouse. After you kind of go through that, you can ask and make sure that both parties felt understood. Because again, here we're working through, we've got through the fight, we're talking and trying to remedy, how did we get there? How can we try to prevent us from ending up in that same spot? Because we've all been in that situation where we started a fight over something stupid, and then it's this big long thing, and then you're like, how did we end up all the way over here fighting about this when we started about which direction the toilet paper goes over. But now we're, we're making value statements and judgment statements over something that happened six months ago because we're stamp saving. Luckily, her stamp book's very small on me. But you want to make sure that your partner's understood. And if they are, then you can move on. And if not, you need to continue asking questions so that you can understand their perspective a little bit better. And then you want to, again, reinforce with summarizing and validating that you understood it before kind of moving on. I will say he has never grunted at me. So although he gives it as a tip, that has never been something that he's implemented. So don't use a grunt. That won't work. You can also have selective hearing. Men, you also have selective hearing. Another tip. Bonus tip. He's never done that either because if you repeat yourself several times, you make sure somebody's heard you. So I'm just going to tell you that won't work either. But the next thing, though, that you do want to deal with is, so step three of kind of the aftermath of a fight is what we're calling triggers. Okay, so when you are involved in a fight, if there is a moment in time where you yourself are aware that just escalated for me. Like in looking back, if you go, I got really hot or I got really upset in this one portion of time, I can tell you there are certain things that just make me crazy. Pastor was saying when he came up, he said, you know, the little phrase of, oh, did that make you upset? Like if you say it in that kind of tone, that is a trigger for me because I feel like you are 
devaluing what I'm saying, that you are being patronizing to me, and so I'm going to be escalated. I mean, if you say it like that, you have put the gasoline on the flame, and I'm going to come right on up out of my skin, okay? You want to talk about thanking God that he didn't give me laser powers, okay? That's the time where you should be thankful because you'd have been dust, you know. That'd have been it. It'd have been over, okay? So those are triggers. When you recognize, literally, this is the moment where the flesh would have peeled back from my face and I would have made you ash, that's a trigger. So if you're confused about what is a trigger, those are those moments where you go, it's got really serious real fast. So you need to be able to identify those moments. When you are going into the aftermath of a fight, you need to be honest enough with yourself to reflect back and go, are there other times in the past outside of this fight where I have had triggers? And if so, what is it that is triggering me? So, you know, some people have really had bad experiences in their lives where they go, you know, it's a trigger for me anytime, you know, you put your hand on my shoulder because somebody did that one time in a, in a past situation and, and they were, you know, squeezing so hard, it hurt me. And you put your hand there and I remember the physical pain and so I get mad immediately. There are literally people who have had situations where you say something and even if you're not saying it the way that it was in the past, it can be a trigger to escalate a situation in the present, okay? So you have to be aware enough of your situation to say, you know, in this fight, things escalated, and I escalated at this point in time when you said X, or when you did X, and I'm going to be honest with you, part of the reason that I escalated here, maybe not was because of you originally. Maybe it was because a long time ago, somebody did X to me, or somebody said X to me, and it makes me angry to this day. It's something that gets my, cooks my biscuits to this day, okay? Nobody likes overdone biscuits. I like biscuits, not overdone, okay? So you gotta be able to say those are triggers. And you have to be able to share those stories. And in sharing those stories and being willing to share those instances and being willing to be honest about your triggers, it actually builds a closer relationship with your partner because that is the realness and that is the honesty of the relationship. And it is showing your partner an intimate side of you that you may not would share with everybody else. It is allowing yourself to be vulnerable to your partner in a way that is healing. But here's the thing that you must remember. Because we are children of the Lord, because we are children of the Holy Ghost, we are not meant to keep those triggers and just say, I will always have a handicap. Here it is. You can never put your hand on my shoulder. What you have to do with your partner is you have to get beyond that. You have to say, not only am I willing to reveal to you, you know, these stories or these circumstances or these things that have escalated me in my past or that have made me feel upset or these words or these phrases so that your partner can be sensitive, but you have to be willing to admit, acknowledge, and receive help from your partner and potentially, depending on what's going on, from an outside resource. So you can say, well, who is that outside resource going to be? Well, it needs to be somebody who's got godly wisdom. 
godly counsel. Sometimes, depending on the situation, it may need to be, you know, a doctor, depending on what it is. I mean, but whatever the situation is, you may need to get outside help, outside of just you know, your spouse, there are certain things that you cannot do alone. And that is where having the humility to say, I have something that has been bothering me for years. And you know what? We're going to put that under the blood. We are going to cover that with blood and we're going to get healing from that. That is what you're supposed to do with triggers is to say, I am not going to stay there so that it's a trigger for the rest of my life. I'm going to let the Lord heal me of it and we're going to move past that point because this should not be a handicap for my life. Next we're going to talk about taking responsibility and under ideal conditions, you know, we would all like to say that we're adults and you know, we've moved past childish bickering and agitation and so we can say oh i conducted myself in this situation perfectly there's always something i think that you can improve on even if you may have ticked all the boxes maybe there was a different way that you could approach it in that situation or maybe there was an extenuating circumstance that for 99 percent of the cases worked but there's something new here. And so you have to take responsibility for what your role in the fight was. And if it was, you know, earlier we talked about just being there and listening and understanding. I can tell you that if the extent of your participation in a situation like that is just listening, That's not enough. That was a good start, but there's been many times where I've just listened, and maybe sometimes a game on my mobile phone may have been involved, and there may not have been complete attention given to the situation, or maybe a text or an email or a phone notification came up, and I was doing my part. I was listening. I was, I was being a really good man, listening with both of my ears, but not with my brain. And so it is one of those things where oh, I was listening, thought I had it, but I can improve. And part of my responsibility, even though I didn't do anything further to agitate the situation, I wasn't even the reason that she was maybe angry or that we started, that there was a, a fight brewing. But actions that I took may have contributed to that. And there can be a miscommunication. So you can even say the wrong thing at the time. It could be a trigger and something comes up. And so even if you've said, you didn't realize that there was a trigger and you said a trigger word or phrase and you can say, I said that statement, it was benign, it was not intended you can still take responsibility and say, I I'm so sorry that I said that, that phrase I'll do better in the future. You've got to understand state of mind and you've got to be willing to realize what may have set you up for the type of response that you gave. You know, whether it's, you know, I'm stressed, I'm irritable, I'm not showing appreciation for you, I've been depressed, I've been sad, I'm tired and 
of being indoors. I'm tired of wearing a stupid mask. I'm tired of, you know, continuing to eat uh, the cans of beans that we went out and bought. I'm tired of, you know, having to use sandpaper for toilet paper. I'm tired of all those things. So it sets me up. And so you want to recognize, and sometimes you want to speak those out and make them known that you can have responsibility over. And then that leads you into creating constructive plans. So finally, just with constructive plans, and this is just basically to remember that you guys need to make a plan together and just make this about each other. And what can you do for the future? And, you know, the Bible talks about a wise woman builds her house. And so a wise couple builds a good plan, builds the relationship. You don't tear it down. You don't tear down the relationship. You've joined together in a holy union. This is you guys together doing this through the Lord. And so you want to make sure that you build this constructive plan of what can you do better next time? How can you not only if you go into a disagreement in the future, what can you do to make that better in the future so you don't enter into some of those same pitfalls, but also what can you do to have a better discussion in talking about your aftermath of a fight? I thank you for being here. I know that people have driven a long way or logged on and we've been lengthier than normally we would and we've hit a lot of subjects from the four horses that could wipe out a relationship to how to listen to what to do after a fight. And there's a plethora of things that I would tell you you've got to watch for, i.e. you don't ever want to get your children involved. Go tell your mother, go tell your dad. Why does this one do this and why did that one? Oh, you can, you know, there are so many things that can just torpedo the emotions. But several years ago, when I first came to this church, not long after I first got here, I told the story about a, a lady that married a guy and, and he, he really didn't want to marry her. He, he didn't love her. And he was not abusive, but it was just evident he didn't want to be with her. She was blessed, she had a child. And what's amazing, the story is, if you read it, it's in Genesis. She said, now maybe my husband will love me. The Bible says he didn't, but God saw where she was. It's the story of Rachel and Leah. Genesis 38, 39, you read it sometime. I've preached on it. It could go an hour on it. I know it's, tonight's not the night for it, for sure. But you see, she had finally on her fourth child, Jacob, her husband, really wanted to marry her sister. And she felt lonely, done wrong, all of those things, but on her fourth child, she said, now will I praise the Lord. And she named that child Judah. 
And you know the end of the story is that Jacob, when he comes time to die, he wants to be buried with Leah, not with Rachel, the woman that he originally had loved. What are you saying, right? Even though my spouse may do it wrong and may not listen right and may get involved in sarcasm and all those things, there is a place that I can go to fill up emotionally. A place where I can feel love. A place where I can wash, be cleansed. That's important. Because you see, in this hour, there is very few places where I can turn to and I can feel the cleansing power of God and the fact that the Lord just loves me. And you say, well, oh, I could be better. I could be nicer. If she would be nicer, if he would be nicer, I could be. Well, guess what? You know him. And he's very nice. And he is full of love and full of grace and full of kindness. So the idea is, can we just let him wash us and cleanse us? Let's just do that for a moment. Let's pray for one another. Pray that God will bless us. Bless each couple that's here, Lord. Everyone that logged on online, I pray that somehow you will wash our emotions, wash our hearts, cleanse our minds. Help us, Lord, in this hour of stress to somehow find you in a place where we can find ourselves washed and cleansed by your blood and your mercy.